welcome to this podcast is for nerds. We're here with a very special edition. We have another interview here, another special interviewee. And right now, Calvin, mm-hmm. are you ready to roll for initiative? I am. I should have fucking got the die out. You should have, but you didn't. Yeah. Are you ready to roll for initiative? Who are you? Why are you here? Tell us your name and spin us a tale. Uh, hi there. I am Paul Colby, and uh, I am by no means a professional. But I am a nerd that is very interested in uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, more than that, tabletop role-playing games in general. Um, I am a game master per se. Um, I have done it a few times live on Twitch, and I've done it for uh, multiple different campaigns for years. Um, and I, that's what I am here to talk to you about. Absolutely professional. Yeah. What are you talking about? All yeah. right. <laughs> I agree because you've done you've done a few. So what? Let's talk a bit about. So first of all, Paul's dear friend of mine, uh, probably one of my oldest friends, I think. Thanks for saying, yeah. Yeah, because um, I've known you since when did so? We, so you knew my cousin before me, which goes into the history of me playing tabletop games. Honestly, he was was uh, he the so your cousin uh, was one of the first people I ever played with, and he was actually one of my first dungeon masters. Really? Okay, yeah. he's a great dungeon master. Um, that's really cool. So we met at, it must have been one of his birthday parties. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that was like super casual. Uh, yeah, the first time was super casual, but I think like the first time we ever actually interacted was literally starting a band together. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, we were big into music and then <laughs> there's a, I don't know if we could talk about it and I can cut it if not. So that was like... And that was like way before we. I had not even done. I had done D and D maybe like one time at that point. Yeah, I, um, and what's funny is I specifically remember, and that's that's just how my ADHD and my hyper focus of things that I like. I love D and D and I love tabletop games. So like, I just know. I remember the first time I met you, or the first time we ever talked about playing tabletop games. You'd specifically said that you were into Pathfinder. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a friend that was running a Pathfinder campaign because like. That was around D&D 3.5, I think, mm-hmm. is, like, what everyone was playing. And, like, my guy that, like, I was playing with at the time was not super into it. So we had switched over to Pathfinder, and I was really enjoying that. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, we invited Paul on because, like, he does the dungeon mastering for a campaign that I'm part of. Super longtime friends. But we just wanted to talk about, like, what tabletop role-playing is. It's something I've always wanted to do with you, too. Um, so I think in the future we'll do something like that, but yeah, just like talking a bit about like what it takes to get into tabletop games, what your history with it is. Um, so maybe let's start there. So like, what was, I mean, we, you already kind of teased it. It was like with my cousin, but like, what was your first, um, experience with a tabletop role-playing game? Yeah. So, um, so back in high school, I had this group of friends and it was literally the goon squad, uh, all the flunkies and uh we would meet up and play magic the gathering once a week um and that's yeah. where it all really started and that's where i figured out that's where i really like uh zeroed in on like what about what nerd stuff i was actually into because that's when i found out that i'm not as much into like magic the gathering or card games as i thought i was yeah. but what i was super into and I was always so confused that nobody else was uh, was like the flavor text and the art on all the cards and stuff. Like I cared more about like 
like the, the how they were how some dude was talking about how this giant worm like attacked his village rather than the fact that the giant worm gets like plus two to defense. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so uh, from there, I think I was always pushing the group to be like, let's do D&D. But like, I don't know. I feel like it was always so daunting. We're in such a weird renaissance right now where like everybody is playing D&D and it's all oh, yeah. over. And let's yeah. be fair. Everyone's saying they're playing it because they don't want to not fit in. Their FOMO is so goddamn strong. Because <laughs> of TikTok, everyone's like, ah, yeah, this is the use to my nails black too. No, you, what camera are we looking at? No, you didn't. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> if you don't, if you've been blown out your converse before, and don't say you did, if you've torn your own jeans, you're not a part of this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, yeah, the difference between the is it's, it's weird because it's a lot of new people in the scene. But yeah, back then it was it was it was hard to get into it. It was hard to come by. Like yeah. like now, like you can find those books in Meyer yeah. and Target. Target yeah. has yeah. a Dead Dungeons and Dragons book that wasn't a thing, yeah. and so. And even even further back, it was even more not a thing. But but I basically remember pushing all my friends to get more, do more stuff like that. And eventually, what it turned into was another mutual friend of me and Calvin's, uh, uh, my really good friend Evan. I've known him since we were in diapers. Uh, smartest guy I know. Uh, he decided that he was going to try and run something for us, but it wasn't Dungeons and Dragons. It was actually a like a homemade game that he made up on the fly based on Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah, oh, cool. Yeah, okay. so like that was my first foray into it was uh, was playing that where we would all like pick like, all right, I'm going to be the water guy, you're going to be the earth guy, and we're going to go through this little story. But it's funny because it always devolved because you could tell the like, the the idea and the heart was there, but like there was no rules or structure, you know, why you buy the books and why you actually play the, the real game. Yeah. Um, where it would always just devolve into all of us just doing whatever we wanted, splitting up, and then like him just like letting it go off the rails and let us do whatever we wanted. So by the end of it, like one of us was a king, one of us was one of us was dead at the bottom of the ocean. Like <laughs> just it just went wild. And I remember thinking, like, there's gotta be like I want I want it to be more like a like a video game or I want I want there to be more consequences, more struggle, more narrative, more story uh, like that. And so I actually got away from it for a while after that, because, again, he wasn't running it. And I just thought it was way too daunting. That's like I was never meant to run D&D. &D. That's that's what the smart people do. And so I got away from it. And then. I uh, later was living on my own in my 20s, and that same friend hit me up uh, to play on uh, online D&D, which is another really cool thing that I'm here to advocate for is oh, yeah. playing Dungeons & Dragons online. <clears throat> you do like Roll20? Yes, yes, yes. Roll20 is a great resource. Like, it's insane how like it's completely free. And they've got like basically everything you need to do like a whole campaign. Like, it's great. And it was perfect during COVID. I don't know if you did like a bunch of like campaigns during COVID over. Yeah. Like it made it so easy to do that stuff online. So it's yeah. Super cool. Dude. Yeah. yeah. Roll 20 is awesome. And yeah, when that came along, it can, it can like, it's so funny. Cause it's so like, I feel like in people's heads when they think about playing online, they just think like, on a Zoom call, just looking at everybody's faces and stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. But Roll20 makes it to where you can almost make it better than in person. Yeah. Especially, like, if you, like, a lot of the assets are free, but even if you just shell out, like, $5, you can buy, like, a whole pack of cave scenes of some 
fantastic artist has made this crazy detailed uh, battle map of the inside of a cave and then they've already put the grid marks on it. And then you literally go to a website called Token Maker and you just upload any picture you want. It makes it into a little circle token for you. You put that into your game and then everybody literally logs on and just moves their little tokens around this map you have. And it takes so much work out of the dungeon master's hands. So online is a great way to go. That's what definitely got me way back into it like full bore i was like okay dnd's for me because yeah. not only had we started playing online but my friend evan it had been at least eight years since the last time we played yeah. and uh he uh he had done a lot of research and we all knew the books and so we were playing fifth edition at that point and um that's when I was like, okay, so this is super user friendly now. This is super easy. Like, oh, yeah. I just need to get these books and I can <laughs> yeah. do this. And so, a couple years after that, I played in a few more games, kind of just like learning the ropes and uh, really trying to just like play with a bunch of different people running the games, like goading a bunch of my friends, like, hey, you should be the DM next, you know? Seeing what everybody does, seeing what everybody likes to do, and then just kind of taking that and culminating it into uh my own campaigns do you feel like you mentioned just to rewind the clock a little bit because i remember growing up with like magic the gathering and like when it started coming about it was right around the time i think i hit ninth grade and i think I'm a little bit older than you guys so i would say like 2008 2009 so like Yu-Gi-Oh cards were really big in my area and i think a lot of that has to do with like the cartoons and like the exposure from it and things like that mm-hmm. and prior to that because like, i go to target and get Yu-Gi-Oh cards you know but like for Magic the Gathering cards like you really had to like go to a game shop to find them so growing up here do you feel like was a lot of opportunity to get that that's why it was kind of like I know it was like Vaulted Midnight but was that really as prolific as it was now I didn't find out about Vault of Midnight until I was I until I met you I think and even a few <laughs> years after even so no I agree uh and that, that's why I think I I I Although I wasn't as into, like I got away from playing Magic the Gathering, I would always thank Magic the Gathering for the group of friends that I have, because you're right. It was like everybody was playing Pokemon and then they were playing Yu-Gi-Oh! But Magic the Gathering had always been around, like even before that stuff. And uh, it was actually even further back. I was a super little kid. I had a friend who lived across the street from me. He had this older kid you know the older kid across the street <laughs> who was like in retrospect i was like oh that kid was a dork <laughs> in, in the best way in the best way though yeah, like yeah, like, yeah. like beat tomato red hair down to his shoulders coke bottle glasses covered in acne just the greatest looking nerd i, yeah. I loved this kid yeah but he was super into magic and basically he was like our guru of nerd stuff and so he came by and we were playing Yu-Gi-Oh on the on the outside porch one day and he was yeah. like no 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 let me show you and he brought over a pizza box full of magic cards <laughs> and changed our lives <laughs> and so that's how I got into that and so honestly I think that I probably wouldn't have gone into D&D cuz I just wouldn't have had the niche group of friends that I did you know cuz I feel like the Yu-Gi-Oh people they just kind of moved on like to like video games and stuff. I feel like they weren't the kind of people that moved into further because not only did we do Dungeons and Dragons, but that kid who showed us magic also showed us LARPing. And so I did LARPing before Dungeons and Dragons. I was making foam swords uh, outside before I did Dungeons and Dragons. I definitely was, can say I was that kid who like went from like Pokemon cards to like, I had an S and I had an NES. Like I remember playing the original 8-bit Mario, whatever. I had a big old, gray game boy whatever so like for me i think video games are always more prolific in my life 
over like card games but i think like from a collector standpoint mm-hmm. like you just said too the art of it got me like finding the japanese charizard versus like the you we used to buy pokemon cards from the uh ice cream truck which i now know was a huge scam because they'd give you like full holographic cards that were like wait a minute this plastic's peeling off and, like the, the bootleg pokemon cards that are out there and exist are just amazing but like i was wait, a collector at the time go back what's up new episode topic <laughs> i'm sorry you were buying pokemon cards from an ice cream man yeah did you buy Pokemon cards from an ice cream man? No, absolutely not. But I was lucky with like <laughs> growing up in Ann Arbor is like there was always like a like a novelty like gaming store. So yeah. like I could just go to like a vault at midnight and just get Pokemon cards. So no, I <laughs> what, what, what was going on in yeah, California? Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, I didn't expect this to be the thing, but <laughs> it is now. Yeah, no, we just trucks, yeah, you know, Pokemon ice cards. Trucks, trucks. Ice trucks would sell Pokemon cards and yeah. now like it's funny because like, they weren't legit at all. But you would like, well, like they, so they, they were made fake. their own? So they would either get them from somewhere or they mm-hmm. made their own. I don't really know how it happened, but you'd have to like try like half of like Pokemon card gathering when I was a kid was figuring out reels from fakes. You could tell from how they were painted. You could yeah. tell by the card thing. You could tell by the coloration on the back. Wow. If you could see through it or not. And for me, like growing up, like doing art, I really enjoyed like the art. Like I watched the I watched the TV show. Like I had Pokemon Yellow. I had a Pikachu that mm-hmm. wouldn't evolve because he's a little dick. Mm-hmm. Like you know, everyone yeah, all that stuff. Yes, and then like you know, yeah, you'd like you did people getting fights over Pokemon cards at school. Like. If they steal holographics from people and get into fights and everything, it was absolutely nuts. Um, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Vaguely. <laughs> so, like, for us, our main source of cards, because people's parents honestly couldn't afford to necessarily go to. I don't know if I don't know if Pokemon cards were sold at Target at that time. That's the thing. Right. Yeah. You had to go to like hobby shops and stuff yeah. to get like booster packs. I don't know where else I would get them from at that time period, but we would get packs from like the ice cream truck would come through yeah. and we would know which ice cream truck had the good packs versus the bad packs and that kind of thing. But yeah. Yeah, I uh, didn't know that was... <laughs> That's so funny. But you could tell, too, like, if your holographic was, like, peeling off too early, like, oh, this is a fake, blah, blah, or if the whole thing's holographic, you're like, oh, it's a fake, but it looked cool. But it's That's like... like the kid version of buying, like, a loose cigarette from yeah, a liquor yeah. store. <laughs> Let me get a Charizard, dude. I know you got some. And they would, they would jack the price of Like, you know, we'll, we'll give you a free ice cream. You pay $10 for this card, and it's like... What? Yes. That's like selling, like, sports tickets on eBay. Like, it it's a $100 t-shirt, but the tickets are free. It was bad. That's so funny. I've never heard that. But they're fake cards. That's so yeah, funny. And like, I don't think any, and you know, I don't think any ice cream truck vendor in LA at the time had any real cards. Right. And like, <laughs> you know, it, it. You know, I would always try to get like my Ninja Turtle, like bubblegum ice cream, and a Pokemon card. And that was just like always the thing. They'd have a whole like sleeve of. They have a, yeah. Was a folder you could flip through and like pick a card you wanted to buy. That's so funny. And it was That's just crazy. Yeah. That's like uh, I just try to think of all the different pairs. That's so funny. I've never heard of anything like that. Is there? Oh, I'm gonna regret asking this question. Did you say OnlyFans? Did I just say OnlyFans? Yeah, were you asking no. Me? Oh, okay. Never mind. I was gonna say, like, I don't know if there's an OnlyFans. He's got for it on cards, the brain. Now that there's an OnlyFans. For po- well, there's a museum that has an OnlyFans because they got banned for posting like the old school art. Oh, that's really funny. Actually, on Instagram, I was like, "Well, screw it. We're gonna we want to take that. the proceeds and like, really, yeah, because um, wow. it got flagged for nudity." And it's like, "Okay, it's right, it's right." Classical like art. Old, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, that's a good statement to make. <laughs> you know, just you know, got to get your your Sistine Chapel. That's right. I'm a real fan of that. <laughs> just, yeah. So, by the way, this is 
It's still recording. Sistine Chapel. Oh, Sistine Chapel. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. This is what happens when you invite another person with ADHD on the podcast. Oh, Dude. We're talking it's, about it's so Pokemon bad. cards on uh, ice cream trucks. Recent diagnosis. I'm still like figuring it out. Um, I'm, I'm probably running about a year and a half at this point. Yeah, I think we're about the same time. Yeah. It was like COVID. I was like, oh, I'm not doing any work. I, I You know what's funny for me? I was at work and I put a tool down somewhere and I was like, something's wrong. I can't remember where I put this tool. And through my diagnosis, I realized that part of the reason why I kept taking high-risk jobs was because of my safety or my life was in danger. It forced me to focus. The high pressure. Had no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just figured I would better into chaos because I'm just that badass. Yeah. Not that cool. <laughs> and, like, you know, even now I still, you know, like doing that kind of stuff, but not, like, necessarily, you know, the risk of actually dying from right. it. <laughs> yeah. Now back to rolling for initiative. Yeah. So what was your? What was your <laughs> that's right. That's what we're talking about. What, what was your first campaign like? So the first one that you like actually led. What that was I ran? it? Yeah, yeah. Was it a pre-made? Was it one that you like came up with? So again, the pre-made. So this goes into me having severe ADHD. Yeah. Um, I was always so against pre-written campaigns yeah. because I was like, no, that's too much for me to inject. <laughs> I need to be able to make things up off the top of my head yeah. or else I can't do it. And that was why I was always so scared of being a DM. I was like, way too much for me to keep track of. I, I can't focus. I'm a master procrastinator. I, it's just too much. Yeah. Um, and so the first one I made, I had the intent of basically like, I'm going to make this so that I have to do as little work as possible because I'm going to make this work for me. Um, so I made I made a world map, and it's funny because I actually just stole an unused continent from a different friend's campaign that I had been in <laughs> oh, cool. a year earlier. So like we had been he he made a map that had it was like seven continents on it, and we only went to like four during the campaign. So I just like took a random one that's shape I liked and just was like, can I use oh, cool. this? And he's like, yeah. And so I just blew it up uh, and just marked territories in it, and that's what I used. Um, yeah. And then I basically just set it up like a little like like a, like a Bethesda game map where okay. I basically, you just make the world map and then you just pick like 20 locations on it where stuff is going to happen. And that's how I set it up. Um, and... What's funny is it was it was actually after a huge move. I had just moved from Michigan to Denver. And so I was playing with all new people I had never met before. Yeah. And so it was even more pressure to be like, I told all these people I could do this. So now it's time to deliver. Yeah. So going along with high pressure situations, I feel like that's kind of my, my DM safe spot is uh, the four hours before the game starts is when I get most of my DM prep done. Yeah. You know, because it's just high pressure and that's where I thrive the most. Yeah. So yeah, the first campaign, I made it up. Uh, and honestly, in my opinion, it was super problematic. Um, oh, okay. You know, let's get into like, that. A lot of like, just like, like random, like, like a lot of like, like among with the problems that people are talking about now that mm. I agree with, where it's like, hey, it's a fantasy world that everybody wants to enjoy and be a part of. Let's not put things in there like racism and, you know, yeah. Just, <laughs> It's like it's so no crazy. Reason. Like looking or, back, or forced slavery of the characters. Like you all yeah. wake up and you're on you like you're you're enslaved. It's yeah, like there's no reason. It's so crazy looking at some of the old like pre-mades from like three five and earlier. Like, I mean, I guess it's just like that goes with everything. Like with all art, you realize like how fucked up a lot of that stuff yeah. was, and like I, I do like the way. 
they seem to be correcting Wizards of the Coast seems to be like realizing some yeah. of the fucked up their stuff. their own corporate pace. You're right. Okay. Well, yeah. I don't mean to like simp for a, for a capitalist like fucking company, but no, like... No, no. They're definitely one of the better companies, I guess, that are yeah. faced with these challenges. Yeah. It, yeah. It seems like they're, they're adjusting well. Like, I know there was like... I think this was like right when COVID hit. They were like... Was the thing like wheelchair users that like yeah. within like dungeons and stuff like that? They were like addressing that. I thought that was like kind of. Well, so some, somebody made a like a battle chair. Somebody homebrewed it and then okay. they used it on a really famous podcast called Critical Role. Um, and so like there was a big uproar from the weird right wing sector of, of tabletop fans, which is just like awesome. Oh, oh, yeah, like, exactly. You, yeah. You don't belong here. That's amazing that that exists. Oh, it, it oh, exists. The, Never yeah. underestimate awful people's ability to infiltrate every space. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's just if, I, if I think of a <laughs> of a group of less threatening people with strong beliefs, <laughs> that has to be on my list of like top five. We didn't know they existed, but I'm like Come on, man. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Honestly, I think some of the gnarliest, like, like gross thinking people are in the D and D scene and the Star Wars fandom. Dude, there the are stars. some weirdos, like some mean spirited people in the Star Wars. Fandom. Yeah, I didn't realize it until the new trilogy came out, yeah. and I was like, they started like attacking the actress. I can't remember her name, the Asian yes. actress. When both episode eight, yeah, yeah. yeah, both of them, yeah, yeah, Finn and her. It's like. Oh my god, Which this is like, it's it's a movie. Yeah. John Boyega still blames the fandom for why oh, yeah. his character wasn't like brought up like made to be oh, the main at the end. Yeah, you know? he was removed from all of the marketing yeah, yeah, in yeah. China. They complete they cut him out of the posters, like they completely neutered his character in episode nine. Like it's it's yeah. horrible. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's gross. But um D and D, they're the it's it's different but the same, because it always is. Where it's like I don't in my games, I like to, and that's how I played with your games, how I explained it to you. I was like, all right, my world is basically a melting pot. If you want to have pointy ears and a tail and spikes coming out of your back, you can. Pick whichever race in the book like you want your actual stats to reflect, but how you look, it's how you want to look. It's your fantasy. It's your character. Yeah. Um, and I always thought it was weird that they called them like races and stuff. Yeah. Which then there's also humans, but you can be an Asian human or you can be a black human. But yet then there's still like, I'm like, why do you call it species or culture? Or, I don't know. They I, caught themselves and didn't know how to rectify it. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, oh, we used the, like the, the human, talking method and yeah, it got us in a Human hole. race is the, the, we're all humans. That's, that's the race. That's the species. Yeah. Learn that. Learn some science. <laughs> but then I, I can already hear the whole, well, that's <laughs> not my race. <laughs> All right. No. You know, fucking lizard, whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Alex Jones is having a field day. Yeah, with there that. you go. Um, well, in D&D, it's even more apparent. You know, it's like, yeah, it's like, exactly. obviously. Yeah. Well, it's crazy thinking of like, even like alignments between races. It's like, man, that feels like oh, it could be. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, it's I don't super use alignments weird. at all. I think yeah. alignments are, are, I think alignments can be detrimental to somebody that's like learning how to not play the game, but learning how to role play. Yeah, it feels like it kind of pigeonholes you, right? Like when I think of like my first games, I was like, well, these roles are typically this alignment. So you have to act this way in any situation. Yeah. I'm like, but that's not really fun. Like right. I, I'm just looking to like grow as a character and explore what that looks like. And if that aligns with, you know, chaotic, you know, good, whatever, like that's fine. But like, it just it feels kind of weird and, and i want to say like 
So this this session that you've been running that I'm a part of, you you've created this world yourself. It's really cool, and that's what I want to get into next. Is that this one world I that you up. built? That's not stolen. From yeah, yeah, yeah. You actually made that up. Yeah, yeah. Drew the map. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's super cool. So like, when you came to us and you're like, I want to run this campaign, and then you sent us this Google Doc that like describes this world you built. One, I was blown away, but two getting back to like the race thing you're like there's not really like races like everyone's just kind of like they are what they are if you want to have like point of years and that was the first time where i was like oh this is cool I, re- I really like this like i'm just like i am what i am and i'm just in this world and we're reacting to whatever the the conflict is and i just thought that was a really great idea that was like the first time i've ever experienced that so kudos to that but like Let's let's get into Nuhara and like that that world that you uh-huh. yeah okay yeah, yeah cool. I would love to cool thank you I appreciate that yeah. um, the I think to add on to that just a, a tiny bit is it's it's the and you'll find out later on as we move through the campaign but uh, there's there's reasoning behind me saying that and I promise I'm not just like whitewashing over being like no there's never race everything's fine everybody's cool everybody's just super happy how, go lucky how dare you i'm not erasing anything it's <laughs> you're here to cancel me yeah it's uh it's a it's a world where uh a lot of a lot of things have happened uh throughout history and it's a world where the people currently uh interacting in it which is your characters um they don't necessarily know where in history they 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 are, and I don't mean that in a time traveling sense. I just mean that in a like the the stuff we we have built is pretty old, but also we keep finding stuff that seems to be even older, you know, stuff yeah. like that. So it seems like there's a lot more that's gone on in this world than every the the mass populace knows about. Yeah. So there's there's going to be a lot of reasoning for the for the the homogenization of almost everybody in it. Yeah. So what what was the inspiration for the world? What was uh, I I have this on the tip of my tongue. It's uh, Treasure Planet. (laughs) The movie Treasure Planet was the inspiration for this campaign because I love that cartoon. Hell yeah. Um, I it's it's not it doesn't take the campaign doesn't take place in space and there's no flying pirate ships or anything. But just that that like the 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 like the, the roaming free you know just like on the cusp of some kind of industrialization but there's still tons of mystery and magic and all sorts of creatures but then people have robotic arms but then there's also frog people walking around and stuff it just it's 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 such a cool atmosphere it's amazing yeah no please go i think it's one of the most unrated like movies also Treasure planet i remember actually calvin said the question out of my mouth of what place where i inspired this and then when you said like kind of that mix of like enough to have robotic like um what is the word called when you prosthetics yeah but still just kind of like a world of fantasy like one of my biggest things about like lore and history and whatever is that i feel like around industrial industrial revolutions are a lot when we lost a lot of the magic of storytelling because a lot of it became about efficiency steam yeah. power you know output things like that which is still you still have like legends and stuff like that but i feel like a lot of that mysticism we used to have connection to whatever and the fun of it kind of went away with you know sludge pollution and everything right. else that came in with that also with just that high period. speed travel oh yeah you know it's like there's no mystery of what's <laughs> over there because i can be over there in a few days you know? right yeah unless you go to the bermuda triangle true that that's true, true it's still that. pretty freaking like yeah, i don't yeah. care how well we figured out whatever magnetic <laughs> poles do what 
that's still crazy. <laughs> I mean, I'm still I'm still all about those things, like all of that stuff, like cryptids and everything, like Bigfoot yeah, and everything. Yeah. I am 100% for the that stuff, the mystery or the 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 legends around those being kept alive. Well, I was in I was in Frankenmuth a couple weeks ago, and there was a T-shirt that said uh, a picture of Bigfoot with sunglasses, and it said. Um, Hide and seek champ since 1886. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. That's oh, a perfect like tourist oh, t-shirt yeah. to grab. That's like a Jersey Boardwalk shirt for oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned before that you are starting out wanting to keep things kind of like not super scripted and planned until like the first four hours before you get started the campaign. Mm-hmm. Now that you are kind of seasoned, you feel more comfortable, especially since you do things with Twitch and like live um, when you do things live. Mm-hmm. Do you still kind of run that way or do you have a more of a flow of how you want things to kind of have an endpoint, or how do you what's your build process now i'm all over the place honestly and on, on purpose too um so the current campaign that i'm running with calvin is uh when I moved to Denver, I ran that campaign for maybe half of a year and then COVID hit. Um, and during COVID, we shut the campaign down because that's when I was like, I was in it. And uh, I was that's when I was like, oh, this is kind of problematic. Like the, some of the themes I'm touching on, I don't really want to touch on anymore. I'm not as like, I'm not the hero I thought I was. I'm not making a statement. This is just a couple friends from the bar. I don't need to be trying to like change their outlooks on society. Um, so I like scrapped it. And that's when I like went into like deep uh, dungeon prep mode where I built this treasure planet inspired world from the ground up. And I literally watched treasure planet one night and I was like, man, 5e would be cool, but like lasers and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, And uh, that and then also there's another uh, Wizards of the Coast uh, uh, addition to... Uh, Dungeons and Dragons 5e that's called Eberron and it's basically a whole another setting so get real in depth here Uh, Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition takes place in the Forgotten Realms all the books are written uh, are written in a way that they want you to set the games you're running for your party in a place called the Forgotten uh, Realms and uh more importantly on i believe it's a continent called faerun um and it's like super super basic lord of the rings fantasy dungeons dragons magic swords shields wizards stuff like that eberron is more like treasure planety more steampunky there's cities with skyscrapers there's uh artificers who have like robot companions there's warforge who are just robot characters that you can play as um and it's all about like pulling off heists committing political (laughs) intrigue all that kind of stuff um and that is also where i took like a lot of my mechanical inspiration from for the world yeah. You mentioned mechanical inspiration, which leads me to my next question. How do you, as a DM, restrict how meta your your players can get? Meta in what way? Like how much life, real life, can they bring into their characters where you're like, well, your character wouldn't necessarily know this based on XYZ. Um, I am so the way that and this is this is the thing about that I actually pride myself in my DMing style is that I look at it less like playing a game and look at it more like writing a story. 
where we're all writing a story together, but more so just because, uh, fun fact, me and Calvin went to fil- the same film school. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> Double Mike for Spectacular. Spe- you remember? Hell <laughs> <laughs> <Hell> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, with just a film oriented mind, um, I like to look at, look, think of playing Dungeons and Dragons as being in a writer's room. So okay. basically, we're all writing a TV show. The goal is not for you to win. The goal is not for me to kill you. The goal is for us to get picked up. Our show needs to stay on the air. And so basically, I'm in charge of writing the setting and all of these side characters. You are all each in charge of writing for one main character. So if what you're doing contributes to the show being better, go for it. I don't care how meta you get with it. Yeah, that's you know? a really cool approach to it, actually. Thank you. And one actually <laughs> super unique. I've never heard anyone like look at it that way. I think that's got to be like one of the best like pitches as far as like if you wanted to get somebody that doesn't normally play like a tabletop game or gaming in general. I think the idea of like just telling a story or being in a writer's room and like building a character that has to be like one of the best ways to get somebody into it. Like yeah. that's got to be like the best pitch. Like it's not. It doesn't have to be this, like, because I've had DMs, and I'm sure you have too, and you as well, like, they're, like, super rulesy to the point where it, like, kind of kills the fun. Like, they're just not going to let you do anything if it goes against any of the rule books. Yeah. Like, it, and, and I get there's, like, certain stuff you have to follow. It kind of goes back to your, like, thing of, like, there has to be, like, consequences to the actions mm-hmm. you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I'm all for that, but, like, to be, like, such a stickler that, like, you can't do something that feels exactly a little weird like that just kind of like kills the fun of it so i think that's like the best descriptor of like what tabletop role-playing is it's like you're in a writer's room telling a story you want to like tell the best possible story you can and have your character grow within that Mm -hmm. in like the most interesting way possible and the dice are the executives yeah yeah Yeah, Yeah. i i think my character would unlock this door Corporate says that it would be way more funny and interesting if you failed miserably at unlocking said door. Sorry yeah. that we got to go with what they're saying up yeah. top. Yeah. Taking the, taking the approach of looking at it from the writer's room, and since you both have film history going to school together, what in recent history, aside from Treasure Planet, since you've already referenced it, in a live-action format, do you feel captures a world that you'd envisioned well with your play style? Uh, oh, what's it called? It actually, it was funny because me and my 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 original my daddy DM uh, Evan, hey, uh, we're just talking about what's going on, Evan. <laughs> this we're one's just hanging out here, looking on the couch <laughs> with some not so Oreos, looking for a daddy DM. <laughs> so he, uh, me and him, were just talking about it. Ah, I forget what it's called. It's it's it, it, and it's like a it's like a stupid. It's not stupid. I'm not making fun of anything. It's a diamond. It's like a dime a dozen. Show too but the world was so cool uh it's like lock and key or, or skeleton oh, yeah. key lock and key is... not lock and key though no. i'm so sorry oh. it's this fantasy show uh-huh. it's this key and bone bone and key bone and steel it's the one where there's like this big black storm like energy dark energy Zach's nickname with nice school <laughs> <laughs> it was <laughs> big black energy rest in peace, rest in peace. <laughs> I don't know. It was just a Netflix show. I know that the dude in it, like the the big the big dude in it, was the was the guy who played uh, the bad guy in the Punisher series. 
Oh, okay. And he was like the only big person in it that I really recognized. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, but it was like so basically it's hmm. it's this it's a country where some time ago some weird dark wizard like made this giant wall of dark energy that spanned the entire country and basically and inside of it there's like a bunch of like dark evil creatures lurking and stuff and so it basically is about how that's affected like the politics of this country because they can't get to the other half of their own country you know so like they have to have all these uh weird ally ships with other countries so that they can cut through there to get to the other side of theirs yeah but more importantly than that part of it part of the series took place in this like little like 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 pirate style like remember the fable video games like fable 2 <laughs> style yeah. oh yeah town <laughs> with like like buildings that are like tall and kind of like crooked and yep. stuff and yeah. it's all about this group of four criminals just pulling off jobs and i was like that is it this, this is a D game waiting to happen yeah that sounds oh man we gotta yeah, go that check out is. that show please yeah somebody will look that That's up sick. i'll throw it in at some <laughs> do point. we not google things on this show no, we, so, so we can google things all day there's a certain someone who uh yet to be named calls us out for googling oh, no. it's actually pretty funny actually is it a fan fan friend hope you're doing well Cobb. i'm not sure what you're up to right now but <laughs> he's a child he does he's busy bz podcast shout out if you ever yeah, want yeah. to listen to bz podcast go check him out all our episodes are still up on Spotify. They're like done though, right? Yeah, but still go check it out. Oh no, yeah. for sure, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's gone. Well, it's Shuff, done. Shuff is like Shuff's been traveling the US. Shuff's been traveling the US. Like his yeah. uh, travel podcast, he's been all over the place. So like the last should, two years, we should have Shuff on to talk about travel. We should have some what he's up to. Yeah. Yeah, I would love that. Yeah, let's do that. Him, him and his partner. Shadow and Bone is the name of the Shadow show. Shadow and Bone. Yes. Okay. I've heard of it. Yeah. But it's a Netflix show? And there's a second season coming out of here. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah but it's a Netflix show. But also yeah. Shadow and Lock and Key. Love Lock and Key. Is Lock and Key good? The the books the books are. No I've not watched the show. Is. is that a real show? Yeah, so Lock and Key was a book series by um Stephen King's son, Joe King. Okay. Um it's really good. Is it was Joe King? Yeah. Yeah, it's not. Are you serious? Yeah. Is he also the one that wrote the the, the telephone, the black telephone? Yeah, that okay. that is his. Yeah, which oops, actually wasn't actually it was not that bad. Okay. Um, I didn't hate it. It looked a little corny, but okay. It is a little corny, but it's like Stephen King corny, where yeah. it's like very like ethereal and like supernatural and stuff. I just remember seeing it, and I was like, the villain can't look like that unless there's a different movie where he like got to looking like that that I had already seen. No, he's just a weird guy. That saying, like, you can't be like a super villain like that. <laughs> yeah. When there's no precursor to why you're like well, that, you're just that guy. Spoilers for this movie. I just want to say like the funniest part of that movie to me is that his brother lives with him and is like this conspiracy nut that is trying to solve th- his murders, his brother's <laughs> murders, and they're literally happening yeah. in the basement that he's living in. He just didn't look there. He's just really dumb. Yeah, nice. he's just not... I love that. Yeah. Um, so a series for me that I think does a good representation of D&D. Was that the question? Yeah. Yeah. Um, like what's a series that like if you could be like if somebody was like hey I wrote a D&D session around this series yeah um, I think maybe just because it's like at the top of mind because I've been reading them is the His Dark Materials books 
Yes, that show is very cool. Is it? I have not watched it yet, so I wanted to read the books before I watched it. It's um, very grand, big venture. So you yeah, very, that's that's a great choice. Yeah, actually. the books are phenomenal. Um, have you have you heard of it before? Heard of it? Haven't watched or read it. Okay, I yeah. think the whole ask the whole edition of like the demons would be a great like familiars in D and D. Yeah, that's like a good. That's yeah, a good idea. I, it feels like everyone's kind of like a druid or something like that. Um, there's a lot of like you know weapons that you have to get i feel like there's a lot of cool quests that you could go on as part of it and you go into different worlds which say, is different, yeah really like planetary fu- travel yeah like that would be really interesting and like there's a lot of different methods of like transportation so like the hot air balloon would be really cool yeah like gyrocopters and like boats and like having mounts like there's polar bears in the series that right. are like awesome fighters you have to just play as a polar bear yeah, was, that would all. That, oh, that's exactly what I would do. Yeah, I would be a war bear for sure. Right? Yeah, so that's great. Your next Halloween costume. I that's love right. That. That's a great idea. Yeah, that would be super fun. I would enjoy that. That's a good idea. Yeah, that good good choice. Thank you. Well, I'm, I, now I need to check it. Shadow and Bone. Is that what you said? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah, check yeah. that out. Please do. Yeah. What about you, Zach? And well, yeah, you've never played D and D before. Or I have, have you played D before? Okay. okay cool, um, cool. I played with uh, some friends back home. Really awesome DM. It was my first time, like, really getting into it. I made my whole character sheet. That's why I wasn't sure if tonight we had to do a character sheet. And I asked <laughs> about meta things because um, I always play a half-dwarf. Okay. Because I like to use my mechanical knowledge and history to, like, kind of get off what kind of things I can create to, like, fight things. Yeah, so, like, yeah. one time I made um, a firebomb out of some mead because technically but the mead process in the time period it totally flammable because it was unrefined and this damn spider is in my way so I want you at my table yeah <laughs> I want you there <laughs> and then once we killed the spider I, I was I asked if I could like go harvest the fangs and take the poison out because I am a crafter and I'm going to use this poison later on to F up anything that tries to get in our way so yeah. I, I made a hammer out of a poison hammer out of like one of the fangs of the spider that came after us so I love that yeah roll for DPS um I love that. The scene I had in mind when you asked me actually has nothing to do with... Uh, it, it's a very specific scene. Have you, so have you seen the recent um, Mandalorian, like the last season, but not, but one before Boba Fett? I've watched two episodes of that show. Fair. <laughs> I will say that you know how um, in the original series, the Redwoods were a big part of... The California Redwoods were a huge part of like the chase scene or everything like that. So like when Lucas does oh filming scenes, yeah, yeah I was like yeah sorry I was like, sorry what, sorry ca- why when, is that integral to the story no, no, the California so Redwoods when when he when Lucas does four scenes he does them really Definitely. heavily yeah yeah so my thing that made me think about even inspired to ask the question was the scene when Ahsoka comes out of the fog to go fight the next like yeah to go fight the general of that, is it heavy? Of that yeah so like the way she appears through it it's just the way the scene set up reminds me a lot of you know it's applicable to a lot of different like play styles of stories but like just the kind of like mesh between you know you have this super forcey heavy background but mesh with technology yes and like that's kind of a part of what my career as i enjoy doing is still helping the planet even though i really love machines and technology so like that mix always gets me like really well mm-hmm. and i enjoy that um what i also enjoy is with the last 10 minutes throwing in a little cinnamon twist <laughs> okay for okay. the two of you Okay. Welcome to the Thunderdome. I am your surprise guest DM, and I am definitely oh. making this up on the spot. Okay. Oh, shit. Okay. Hell yeah. Right. So, let me set the stage for you. Okay. It is 1996. I'm three years old. No, not in this story, you're not. Okay. <laughs> it's 1996. You are both in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Okay. You have to pick a character, 
and tell me what your character can be like. There's no limit on what the character is, what you want to do. This is all you get is the timeline and the place. Tell me who you are. Do you want to go first? So right now, who I am, 1996 Ann Arbor. Yeah, not even like, you know, based on who you actually would be if you no, were like not born yeah, yet. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yep. Give me um, your character, throw it in this world. I'm going to say, make me look as close to Andrew WK as possible. Yes, the original White party White t-shirt, animal. jeans, From ripped Ann up. Arbor. Exactly. Okay. Greasy hair, not a lot of tattoos, okay. but just like a few really crappy ones that look like pencil drawings on my forearms. <laughs> okay. You know, okay. of like stick figures, like skateboarding and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I would say that I work at the local record shop, okay. but I work in the back. And I'm basically just like a stock boy. Um, and then uh, I have a band okay. on the side. Uh, we haven't, we're not playing shows yet, okay. but we're getting there. Um, we're not, we're not normal. We're not like a regular band. We do, we do a lot of like noise rock. Like I do a lot of like rewiring of like tape cassettes and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. And uh, his name is Can Taki. Can't talk. I like it. All right. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> okay. Uh, my character is going to be, uh, he's a football player. He's in high school. Um, total bro, but um, just kind of stupid. Not uh, not very in, in touch with the world around him, but like still like a sweet guy. Like okay. no, no malice. <laughs> um, his name is Thad. Getting back at someone. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> feels too real. Thad Castle from New Mountain State. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thad Castle's my name. Okay. That's, that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's me. All right, so 1996, Ann Arbor, Michigan. We have Thad Castle and Kentucky. Wait, I've changed my mind. Switch okay. it around. Okay. Taki Can. Taki Can. Okay, okay. <laughs> Got this. Taki Can and Thad Castle. So. Starts off where I start off with you. Okay. Um, you realize waking up playing with your band in the back stock room, <laughs> you're missing a tattoo. You had one that you just gotten. You were bragging about it, and it got you free drinks at the bar the previous night. It's no longer there. What's your first move to try and find it? Um, I think I, I reach around to see if there's any... Uh, open bottles of glue. Make sure I'm not just high. Okay. Um, are there any around me? Like, no, is it, no, it, no glue around you. I'm sober. Yep, you're sober. All right. Um, it's it's like is my skin ripped off or is it just disappeared? It's just not there. It's you just can not, still feel the sensation of a tattoo, and you know you had you got one. And I, there's just no tattoo on just my no skin. Tattoo on your skin. I think I'm gonna. I'm in the back room of the record store. Yep. I yep. think I'm gonna go out to the front to see if any of my coworkers are there to see if they like remember me having the tattoo or maybe I'm just crazy and thought I had it. Okay. So you go out to see your your uh, you go out to see your manager mm-hmm. at the top of the record shop. Um, so it's Thaddeus, and he's like, so "Okay, your dad? no." <laughs> he's like, "Okay, no, I don't really have like you. You had a tattoo, but you always have tattoos. You always tell me crazy stories." You know, I don't know what you're talking about if it's missing. He's like, we should go find it. I'm just Thaddeus, you're on. not listening to me. <laughs> All right? When I went down for my 3 p.m. nap in the back, I yeah. had it. When I woke up at 5, it was gone. As you say this, and Thaddeus continues to look at you with a look of ire, you notice that Thad Castle 
is walking outside <laughs> of the record shop with the tattoo behind his neck. That was your tattoo. <laughs> Like on his neck? Yes. <laughs> what? I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Ah, I'm bolting out there. <laughs> I'm bolting out there. All right, you bolt out. Where'd you get the tap, bro? Do I know? Do I know You're where? Confused. I... You're like, what's happening? What do you mean? What? So I, I don't even know that it's I have like a, one on the back it's of my like neck. A dude, where's my car? Situation. Yeah. Um, I'm wearing my Letterman jacket. <laughs> like what spin- is the tattoo of? <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> Your tattoo is of Hello Kitty spanking a unicorn. Yeah, I definitely want that back. It's <laughs> <laughs> really important Dude, to my I family. I sat for 20 minutes for this. <laughs> 20 minutes. Um, I spin around. I've got my Letterman jacket, and there's like a little flare to it. Like, don't touch me, bro. Um, but what are you talking about? What tattoo? I'm gonna give his back a little smack. The back of his head. Hey, what's this? What's is going my, on? Is my neck like sore to the touch? So as you smack the back of his neck, you feel your own hand being smacked. Like where the tattoo was? Yeah. Oh. Oh. I think your neck is my arm, bro. <laughs> Are you high right now? <laughs> I thought that too. It turns out no. I checked. <laughs> Tad Castle needs a little more convincing because he's a strong Christian athlete and has right. no no Good reason to get a tattoo. If he had right. a tattoo, he'd be disowned by his family, had to turn his Letterman jacket for a numerical jacket, and join the math camp. We don't have camera phones. I can't show oh, it no. to you. No, I'm gonna drag him into the store to get him in, like into the. No, he can't see it in the bathroom. Yeah, I'm gonna drag Wait, him to my manager. I'm gonna drag him uh-huh. to Thaddeus and be like, "What's on his neck?" That is confused about why you dragged a high school kid into the record shop and tells you to go home and sober up and kicks you out of the shop. That can is... I ask him if they're related real quick before? <laughs> you can. <laughs> Please do. Please do. You ask if they're related. He's like, don't ever talk to me or my son again. <laughs> he just tells you to sober the hell up and get out of the shop. <laughs> oh man, this is this is going south. All right. Uh, I say, um, is, isn't there like a um, what do they call it? like a developing room at the high school? Like, could we go and like take a photo of the back of my neck? I don't, I'm not allowed at the high school anymore, but... <laughs> what happened? <laughs> I promise it wasn't kid-related. It was drug-related, all right? The fact that you have to say that it wasn't kid-related <laughs> makes me think it's kid-related. But also, there's probably, like, a film-developing place. Or, it's the 90s. They're everywhere. They're yeah. in every corner. We just go to a CVS. Is there one nearby? <laughs> we have to buy a camera, take a picture, and then wait like an hour for it to get developed. I'm knowing, not like at this point, I believe you. Knowing right now that you're on Liberty Street and Fifth, you okay. know that there is a photo development store around the corner. But still, you have to find a way to convince Tad Castle to go with you because right now you just assaulted him, tried to drag him into a store, All and right. he's still confused about why you slapped him in the back of the I've head. got practice, bro. New plan. Do you have any other tattoos anywhere in your body? Do I? You do not. I don't. So do... Given given the description of myself I've given you, would you say that I most likely have some kind of sharp weapon on me? <laughs> Besides your wits and overall penchant for wanting to party and smash things? Yeah. I would say you probably have, like... You have an exacto knife. <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah. That's, that's, that's exactly open what this you, box. Exactly what you have. Here we go. 
What are you, what are you doing with hold that? Still. What are you doing with I that? I don't know if I need to roll a strength check, but I'm going to hold him down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to take off the whole thing, just a little bit of the ink so Honestly, you can see. Honestly, realistically, you, wouldn't, you would have to roll a strength check if it was anyone else, but as you are the embodiment of the party animal in 1996, <laughs> your strength is a little bit unbridled, and you kind of roll for like plus six for that. Oh, perfect. And he's still perfect. a high school kid. He has a Letterman jacket, but we don't know what his position is. He could just he's a suck. I am a kicker. That's true. <laughs> oh, that's true. Dad tries to kick you. <laughs> I roll in that one. <laughs> I, just, I just want to shave off a little bit of the <laughs> so that he can see screaming. Yeah. Yeah. screaming because oh. he starts to feel it. <gasps> oh, oh, no. no. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Well, can I still that get is, some that off? That is confused as to why he doesn't feel the pain. Can I still get some yeah, off then? Absolutely. All right, I'm going to take off a little bit and just yeah. be like, there's my tattoo, but it's my arm. I feel it. Um, I'm like super freaked out by yeah. this. Like, I don't, I don't see, I don't get like tattoos. That's like weird to me. <laughs> um, where did you get this tattoo? Do I remember where I got the tattoo? You don't get the tattoo. You were, you were sober the entire time. Despite your party animal antics, you had no reason to have been like obliterated no. during this tattoo. So you enjoy new. the pain, and you realistically you got a semi from watching little kitty start to appear as she slaps a unicorn. Wait, what? Say that last part again? Yeah, wait. I need <laughs> What's your. Up? What did you say? <clears throat> In my best announcer voice, you wanted to be sober for this because the sight of little kitty appearing on your arm during the tattoo process, slapping <laughs> unicorn, gave you a semi, and you wouldn't want to miss that. Right, okay, I heard right, that. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh okay. man. Also, why you're not loud? In high school. Who gave it to me then? <laughs> well, you're on Fifth and Liberty at that current time. I believe there were three tattoo shops in Ann Arbor. So you have to trace your steps. Find okay. receipts in your pocket. Do you have receipts in your pocket? Roll. Okay. For receipts in your pocket. Okay. I don't have a dice. Do you want me to pick a number? Yes. <laughs> 20. <laughs> and yet, you find a receipt for, you know, I don't want to actually incriminate any tattoos placed around here because they're all great. You so, name a real place. Yeah. Let's, say, uh, let's think of one that's gone out of yeah, business. This is, uh, the Records Rim okay. tattoo shop. The Records shop. Rim. I love that because it's right next door to a record shop. Exactly. <laughs> right it's there. great. All right. So... I think I think it's at this records rim place. I'm pretty sure we get a discount there for working here, which is why I went there. Okay, let's go talk to them. Cause hey, man, I just want to say I really, I know you don't have a lot to go on, so I really appreciate you just going all in on this whole tattoo thing. Yeah, no worries, man. I'm Thanks a big, for helping me out. I'm a big fan of party. I'm just like bleeding. <laughs> I'm a big fan of party hard. It's really great. Party. What? Oh no, that's not me. I'm talking. I get that I look like him a lot though. Oh, okay. Let's go. All right. Start going before you can question that anymore. <laughs> you arrive at Records Rim only to find that it's mysteriously closed. And no. with that, my friends, this tale rolls into a part two because we have hit our time for this episode of This Podcast is for Nerds. Thank you very much for coming on and joining us today. Yeah. Thank you for enjoying my not enjoying my cinnamon twist, but letting me be your DM daddy for about ten or so minutes. I didn't plan any of this. I said I had a twist and I didn't. That was good. That was fantastic. <laughs> I was good improv. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. Um, I think you guys are just like both so good at improv. That's why I wanted you guys to meet. <laughs> so I'm excited for us to play at some point and maybe have you come 
come back on hell yeah to do a session i'd love to before you we leave and close though yeah talk up your, your next yeah project. yeah promote promote oh, your yeah, stuff yeah, yeah so coming up uh sometime within the next few months um i want to do a start my own podcast of just doing uh one shots of just role-playing games whether we make it up ourselves or we do systems that are already established um yeah and i, I would love to have you guys on uh, for a few episodes of that I as love well it. Do you have what's your Twitch handle for like when you go live and stuff like that? So not on Twitch. Um, uh, I am on Instagram, which I'll be posting that stuff. So if you go to do twenty underscore side, uh, that's all my uh, I do like homemade terrain for Dungeons and Dragons and stuff, and you can find all my stuff on there. And I'll definitely be posting all the info for future projects on there as well. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, make sure you follow Paul. Wait, can I do? I really like so one thing I really like that you guys did on your early episodes the whole local shout out can I oh, do yeah. one of those please okay please. so there's this place in Ann Arbor called Sylvan Factory and okay. it is fairly new uh, it was like early last spring that it opened but it is just a game store that is I don't, I've never met a game store ran by cooler people. They just really love D&D and board games and they love the community. And not only is it a store where you can buy D&D stuff, you can buy board games, you can buy cosplay stuff. Like they have a bunch of like Ren Faire clothing and stuff there. Awesome. But then they also have a whole back room where you can just show up and they have like open board game nights. They have nights where dungeon masters come in and teach people how to be dungeon masters. They have all kinds of crap going on. That place is awesome and I just really want to see it keep going. We awesome. We see if we can record an episode there. That would be really cool. That would be a great idea. Yeah. Yeah, so make sure you stop by there. What's the name of your Sylvan Factory. Awesome. All right, cool. Well, thank you, everyone. Take care. And now for my next number, I'd like to return to the classics.